0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Deering Live. It's a wonderful Thursday, and welcome back uh, to everyone. We missed you last week, um, but uh, we're so happy to see everybody uh, here again this week. This week's going to be a fun one, I think. Uh, first of all, hi, Dave. How are you doing? All right. Hey. Um, thank you for, for being with us, as always. But uh, this week on Deering Live, we are very much like to welcome old-time banjo master, Mr. Riley Borgus. For those of you who do know Riley... You will know that, uh, him for his playing in the Round peak style, which is a style of banjo that comes from his home county in North Carolina. Riley has recorded with Robert Plant, Willie Nelson, Alison Krauss, and many more, and he also sang on the Academy Award-nominated soundtrack for the movie Cold Mountain. Please welcome everybody, Mr. Riley Burgess. Riley, how are you doing?
1: You know, if I was any better, I don't know if you could stand me. i <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, we could. laughs> doing pretty well. Doing pretty well, Thanks.
0: We were just having a wonderful conversation backstage. I like to call it backstage. Did
1: yeah, it? well, it is backstage.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah it was Quite. really fun, uh, and I, I'm, I have to say that I'm, I'm really impressed to see both the Union Jack and Old Glory on your wall behind you. There, that's that's impressive.
0: <laughs> I have to, I have to. I, it's, I, I hear you. Yeah, we were just talking about that that same yeah. thing, and, and England got through to the Euro finals yesterday in the in the soccer. So i I've I've got to be a little patriotic towards them, as well that's as my right. adopted home country of the good old US of A. So, there you uh, go. Gotta love it. All right. So let's kick, uh, kick things off with the way we normally do. Um, we're going to invite you to play uh, a wonderful song of your choosing, um, and then we'll start getting into some real cool banjo talk. How's that sound?
1: Sounds awesome. Sounds great. Right. I'll uh, tell you what I think I'll do. First of all, I'll tune the banjo, because that's what you do when you're a banjo player. It's been way more of your life tuning than actually playing
0: for for the record. He had tuned it. This is all for show to kind of keep up with the stereotype. Yeah,
1: I, I, I often tell the story. I, I make, I make banjos, you know, and, and, and so I make the banjos that I play usually. And I was doing a show in a little town in North Carolina one night and I was, I was working with a couple of singer songwriters. Now singer songwriters do not adhere to the same rules. Uh, in terms of playing music that old time musicians do because we'll we'll tune to D or to A or whatever key we're playing in and we'll play there for 45 minutes or an hour and then tune to the other key, you know? So, yeah. but singer-songwriters change keys for every song. Well, these ladies that I was playing with, they, every all night long, it was a different, you know, a different key, every song. So I'm retuning, I'm working the, the tuners, you know, wearing them out. And, and get done, and I go to lay my, banjo down in the case and this little lady comes walking up to me and she says now now honey that was awfully nice and i said well thank you ma'am i'm glad you enjoyed it she said one thing though you might consider buying yourself a better banjo once you don't have to tune so much which, which, which made me feel really good as a banjo maker you know that kind
0: of you know, those old uh the, the robo tuners you know that gibson used to fit onto their guitars for a while there and just like hit the button and it tunes everything up
1: Well, I always, always, this, there was a guy who used to follow me and he, he, he always was trying to get me to invent some kind of thing like the, like a strimmer or a weed eater has where you just beat it on the ground and the new string goes into, into place. You know,
0: there you go. (laughs) All right. What are you going to play for us, Riley? All
1: right. I'm going to, I'm going to play you this tune that comes from the Round Peak area of Surry County, North Carolina. Uh, we, we play it up there and, uh, It's called John Brown's Dream.
0: Perfect. Take it away.
2: Great to have you here.
1: Oh, it's great to be here, David. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Thank you. It sounds great. Um, so, how'd you first get into uh, playing the banjo?
1: Well, <clears throat> my my family is all from a little mountain community over in Allegheny County, uh, which is the county right next to Surrey County in North Carolina. Uh, it's a little further up into the Blue Ridge. The Surrey County is kind of the foothills. And, and Allegheny County is, is right up actually into the Blue Ridge Mountains proper, you know? And so they, they always enjoyed string music. what they called string music. Uh, anything that had to do with banjos and fiddles and mandolins and guitars and basses and, you know, dancing and, 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 you know, that kind of thing, uh, string music. So they love bluegrass and old time and, and any kind of folky ballady type thing. And, and so there was always music around, uh, and, and I, I don't know. I, I, I saw how they, um, how they revered musicians, you know, when, okay. when Paul Miles, who was a, a banjo player with a, a, very famous, uh, group back in the 1930s called the Red Fox Chasers. Paul Miles was a friend of my grandmother, my grandmother and my grandfather, and he lived, in the community there. And they, whenever he wasn't around, they'd say, No, that's Paul Miles. He's a, he's a really good banjo player. You ought to, you ought to get to know him. You need to pay attention to him. He's, he's, he's good. He's a good banjo picker. Mm-hmm. And so th- that, that was, that always impressed me how much they thought of the man, even though he was old at that point and hadn't played the banjo in many, many years, but they still remembered him and what he was able to do with an instrument and how famous he had, he had become because of it. Um, so I I don't know uh, it just it just kind of intrigued me I I, I was fascinated by the music uh, but then the the actual playing of it was like oh this is something I need to do so my dad and I built me a, a banjo uh, 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 just out of some scrap wood that we had laying around the house here the the neck was was like one inch thick uh, pine board and the the rim he made out of a piece of, of plastic molding that he he cut out he took a, a a jigsaw and cut out two wooden circles out of half inch thick plywood and he he took that uh, that plastic molding and nailed it around around those two circles and there was the uh, sound chamber and then right. we attached that neck and and i i had, I had a guitar where i saved my money when I was that summer and I had bought a guitar from Sears Roebuck. I did that real old time thing where, cause that was all I knew you're supposed to do. You're supposed to buy your first guitar from Sears Roebuck. <laughs> so, right. so I did, uh, I saved money and bought a guitar through the catalog Sears. And, and, uh, so when it came time to build this banjo, my dad just laid that neck, that guitar neck up to the, the banjo neck and took a pencil and marked where the frets went. <laughs> and then took a hacksaw and sawed the fret, the, the fret slots. And there was a music store over in town called Resnick's back in those days, and they've been out of business for 40 years. But they sold pre-cut guitar fret wire. So we went and got some fret wire and hammered those things in there and glued them and everything. And he took his pocket knife and carved uh, tuning pegs out of some maple stove wood we had laid on the front porch. So that was my first banjo and, and I still have it hanging over here on the wall somewhere. Uh, but uh, that's, that's how I got into it. I, I just thought it was, I thought it was cool. Yeah. I, thought that, and, I thought that people would revere me if I became good at playing music
2: and right, was right. I wrong. No. <laughs> 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 that's great. And, you know, coming from a place with, with a rich musical you know, culture like yours uh, and, and where the banjo is very important, then, it's, you know, it's not just it's not just pop. You know, there's a there's a tradition that, that you can really attach yourself to and and um, and grow up listening to and, and be Absolutely. a part of Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I, I often I often tell people that, you know, uh, songs like Little Maggie and 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 things like John Brown's Dream and uh, different tunes. The old folks that I would hang out with, like Tommy Gerald was one of them. I spent a lot of time with Tommy uh, when I was a young teenager, and he would tell about, well, I remember when that tune come into this country, he would say, you know, meaning I remember when that tune first showed up on our scene and mm-hmm. we learned to play it. Well, that, to them, was pop music, you yeah. know? Those That old-time music, the traditional music that we now know as, as these archaic relics that was somebody's pop music, and for them, that's Definitely. exactly what it was.
2: yeah, and this, you know having that chance to mention uh, you know kind of learn from Tommy Jarrell, somebody like that, that's you know an incredible opportunity. Um, what kind of things did you learn when you' when from him, from you know a master of, of Well, I learned of a of lot about music. drinking
1: strong coffee. <laughs> and And that you could use seven dust to kill the fleas on your dog no i, <laughs> I don't recommend I, I don't recommend that the strong coffee, yes Seven dust no yes. uh, no he, he would you know he would he was really good about showing you tunes, but he would show you how to play it not necessarily teach you how to play it he would show you what he did uh, in terms of well you do that little thing right there You know, but he but he wouldn't really slow it down and say, "Okay, now we're going to take our index finger and slide it from the first fret to the second fret." While you know, it, it wasn't a lesson with Tommy. wasn't really necessarily like like a lesson that we would in the same way we think about them today. You know, where they where everything is broken down to the to the smallest fraction. It was it was largely going and hanging out and playing tunes. You know, you'd right. sit and you'd play music for hours and hours and hours and you're, and every time you go, it was largely the same repertoire. So you didn't just have one chance to hear a tune and learn it. You had every encounter with the old folks that you went to visit, you know, because they, there was no YouTube or CDs Mm -hmm. or flash drives or, you know, for them to learn from. So they learned in real time at full speed. And they would show you in real time at at you know as close to full speed as 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 you were capable of absorbing um but they had a limited repertoire, so they played the same tunes they didn't learn a new tune every week or five new tunes every week, like a lot of people like to do now you know uh they didn't have huge repertoires, so you know maybe fifty to a hundred tunes would would encapsulate the entire repertoire of a, of a region, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. So, so you had lots of chances to learn. So when you'd sit down and, and you'd say, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times Tommy would say things like, now, have you heard the way they play so-and-so over yonder at the fiddlers convention or whatever, they don't play it right. Here's the way you're supposed to play it. And he would show you what he thought would be the way that something should be played because right. that's the way he heard it and understood it. Uh, but each individual player in our area, uh, I got to spend time with Dix Freeman too, who was another great climber banjo player. Uh, he was another Round Peak style banjo player, lived in Round Peak. Um, and his style was, although it was the same style as Tommy played, they played very differently. And if you listen to a lot of the players, you know, like Fred Cockerham or Kyle Creed, who were both great. Uh, round peak style banjo players. Neither of them played like Fred or to, or, or Fred or, or or Kyle didn't play like Tommy or or Dix. You know, uh, th- th- there's a drive, there's a feeling, there's a flavor that the music has, and there are techniques and approaches. But they didn't necessarily combine all the techniques the same way to create the tune. It was a, it was an individual expression on each of their parts. So you know, that's kind of the way I feel that we we you know do music now or should do music is is that you learn the music and you learn a style and then you you make that piece your own you know you you I I I like to to uh take that music and say I you know now this this was inspired by so-and-so's playing and here's the way I understand their playing of it you know so so learning from Tommy uh like like I said was not like a lesson but it was it was learning not only music but a lot about the culture he loved to tell stories and you going to visit him for me was like going to visit my own grandfather because they were you know the they were they only lived about 15 20 miles apart you know um so it wasn't it, i didn't have a cultural hurdle to jump you know it was just like going and 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 being close to the music that I'd heard all my life.
2: Right. And, and that's, it's so important to learn that way, to learn with your ears.
1: Absolutely. And,
2: you know, keep them and to not be like what you said, you put your own, uh, put your own stamp on it. Um, and not just try to replicate exactly so many times today, people, especially from learning from tablature and things, they're, they're trying to learn, you know, play everything exactly. But the kind of, it loses, the, uh, it loses the soul of the music a little bit. Um, well, even,
1: you know, a lot of these old guys, you, they'd say, well, I learned this, I play this tune exactly the way I learned it off of so-and-so. Well, but if you heard the so-and-so play it that they learned it from, they played it differently, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so they weren't telling a lie by saying, well, I play this tune just the way I learned it, because that's absolutely true. They play it the way they learned it, not necessarily the way they were taught it.
2: Right, right. <laughs> it's the way they, it's the way they interpreted it, That's whether right. correct or, or you know right or wrong. That's it's the right. way, and That's then right. it you know it's That's like a story, you know, and it just changes over time. And uh, where do you kind of draw the line of like cause of putting your own stamp on a tune and then just kind of doing it like not doing it right, you know, just doing it kind of doing something. Where is that that line of just? you know being uh, lazy and doing it sloppy and well, versus putting your flavor into it.
1: Yeah, see that's that's what people think that a lot of times if you ah oh, there it is. I got the noise canceling off now I can hear. Uh uh a lot of people think that well if you say oh well I'm just going to make it my own that means that I'm just going to play it any way I want to and that's that's not my approach at all. It's that line is a hard place to find. You see? Mm-hmm that there there is the tradition there is the but you also have the flavor and the history and you have the drive and you've got all this stuff you've got to maintain but then you hear different things in the music you hear a a, a, a different way of of you know resolving a line or you might instead of a slide you might do a a a double note, and then a and then a hammer on, you know, instead of a slide. It it, it the the changes that I make tend to be subtle, uh, but big. You know, if you're if you're saying, well, I'm going to play this tune exactly like this version that I learned. Well, you can learn the version, but still not play it exactly the same note for note. Um, b- music is bigger in my mind than just its individual notes. It's a it's a piece. It's not it's not it's that that's not to say that that you're gonna take every note and play it in exactly the same place as that person played it. You're gonna take that piece as a whole and try and play it the way that person played it. So there are gonna be some places where you're not gonna interpret it exactly the same way. That's kind of where I am. I mean it's there and and two, we live in a different time. You have to as, a, as, a mu- as an old-time musician now, you have to take the music in this century. you know you're taking that music from old and you're playing it now. you You can't unhear Jimi Hendrix or the Grateful Dead or and you can't unhear Ingve Malmstein. you know I mean, it's like if you've ever heard I mean that's obscure, <laughs> but you know if you've ever heard this, if you've ever heard music, it's in there. And, yeah. and it's, it, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to filter it all, all the time, you know? So you might have something that happens that's not totally the way that, that, uh, Tommy or Dick or Fred or Kyle or Boggy Cochram or whoever played it, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to have something that's different and then it becomes the normal for you because it's the way. You interpret it the way you feel it, the way it comes out when you play it. But it's still traditional. Yeah. You know, you asked me a hard question, so I gave you a long, convoluted answer. Say, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Have you had these conversations when you played? I mean, you've played with Robert Plant and uh, I think John Paul Jones, too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Have you had these conversations with them at all? Because, you know, they built their, you know, a lot of their. Career in Led Zeppelin, you know, playing blues <laughs> tunes. <laughs>
1: I was, I was, I uh, was, I did. Ha- I was having a conversation with John one time, and I said, "Yeah," I said, "You know, John," I said, the, "The sort of the world that we come from. You get a lot of people telling you that you have to play this music, note for note, exactly the way it was in a recording session in 1927, or you're not playing it correctly." And he said, "He said." He said something to the effect of Riley you should have seen how they how they uh you should have seen how they approached us you know or how they treated us because of that but you know cuz they were they were totally going on a in a different direction with that american blues music you know so yeah. said yeah they they were so so yeah he he understood
2: <laughs> he understood
1: what i was trying to say exactly <laughs>
2: Getting back into specifics on the banjo of your style of of the round peak style, especially how what how do you um, describe like what that is? How do you explain what that is? How is it different than just uh, than other types of claw hammer playing?
1: Well, it's not it, it's not um, it's not your your standard sort of frailing. Where uh, I t- I kind of think of frailing, and I teach this in my classes. I could be totally wrong, but this is my take on it. I, I tend to think of Frailing Clawhammer Banjo as being offbeat uh, sort of centric, where you would go and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, where you, you're you starting on the and a one or the Diddy Bum, Diddy Bum, Diddy Bum. Uh-huh. Uh, in the round peak style, we tend to sort of think or I do, I tend to think of it as bum, diddy, bum, diddy, where the, the, the main emphasis is on the melody note on the beat, but you have a lot of pickups. You have a lot of lead-ins um, musically that, you know, you might, you, might, uh, you might have a and a one lead-in, but then, then the melody is, is back on the beat, uh, always on the bum. Um, so it's not, it's not your, it's not sort of a straight frailing style in that, that the emphasis is on the beat rather than the offbeat. It's, and it, uh, we tend to do uh, a lot of drop thumb. I hear a lot of drop thumb, uh, patterns in it to get, to get those, those eighth notes that, that, you know, sort of make up a melodic line, but it's not overly melodic. It's it's largely I always describe it as hitting the high spots that the fiddle player plays. You don't want to I, we don't want to play every note that the fiddle player plays, but we want to get the high spots of the melody, while providing a nice rhythm. You know you, you want to provide the the fiddle player something a good backing to play too, a good rhythmic backing. But you also you know it, it you're you're keeping up with with uh, the melody at the same time you know so so it it uh, it's about the drive there's a there's a it a lot of times a lot of tunes when you start into the a part of a tune you play slightly on the front edge of the beat sometimes but then you immediately fall right back onto the beat you mm-hmm. know so you're so you're playing just milliseconds ahead of the beat and I don't know i i I kind of think that 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 is because the music was meant for dancing Mm -hmm. and before there was the ability, there were sound systems and the ability to adjust delay in a hall, you, you, you would, you know, you'd start on, you, you'd get the music to the dancer uh, a millisecond before that beat was supposed to happen. So then everybody Mm -hmm. got synced, you know? So, so there's that little drive, that little jump in the jump in the first beat, you know? but that 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 drive happens all through the music so you've got that pushing it's it's pushing and still on the beat at the same time you know
2: right and are you doing a number of pull offs without striking it with your right hand too yeah.
1: yeah yeah i get i get i personally get a lot of notes um by doing by doing pull offs and and what i call a double note Um, you know we do a rhythmic fill like that example of what i was trying to say i chose the wrong tune (laughs) Uh, so so yeah there are lots of there are lots of pull-offs that 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 uh work in conjunction with the drop thumbs so you can get you can get yet another note in a line without having it sound like a melodic right hand line where you're playing an individual note with every finger every time and, and so you you might have a drop thumb followed by a pull off or a a strike pull off and then replace so you get a you know
2: yeah and it, it allows you to play off the beat notes off the beat a little bit more too so it's not that, so downbeat oriented
1: that is correct that's right yeah. that's right
2: yeah yeah that keeps that i think that might give it some more of that drive and some some more you know just something
1: yeah keep pushing it forward yeah 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 yeah, yeah, exactly yeah it's it's you you'll you rarely ever find yourself dragging you Mm -hmm. know you're you're always kind of you're always kind of pushing and and anticipating that that next part rolling around you know yeah it's like okay we're ready we're ready here we go (laughs) kind of thing. So it's easier and to even, play it and, and show you than to talk about it. it, it <laughs> nomenclature yeah, yeah. for a lot of this stuff is really difficult to to come up with for me. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember some of some books when I started of uh, they, they all had different kind of nomenclature for the claw hammer section. The bluegrass sections were, were pretty straight, pretty standard, but the claw sections were kind of you kind of had to figure it out each time. Well,
1: I get people talking to me about double thumbing all the time, and they're like, "Oh, well, you did that double thumbing," and I'm like, "No, I didn't double thumb there, because to them, drop thumbing is double thumbing, and to me, double thumbing is when you're when you're playing more than one note on the fifth string."
2: Ah, gotcha. You know. Okay. So it's it's all about
1: it's all about how you see it. I reckon.
2: Yeah! 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 Um, you also sing, you know, a lot with your with your playing, and and it's something that really stands out. Do you, do you practice when you're singing? Practice the melodies with the banjo, you know, getting or, or how do you go about that?
1: Uh, well, I don't know. It it it's just I I find a song that I want to do, or or choose a song that that we have done. In the traditional repertoire, you know, uh, and you just kind of start doing it and it builds over time. You know, it, it, the, there's one song that I do in particular, and, and I'll do it in just a minute, uh, that I worked on it for about four years before I ever came up with the way that I do it now. Um, I started out just trying to figure out what voicing on the banjo worked best for the tune or for the song. And then where I could sing it, what key worked best for my voice, and then, and then I then I started figuring out, well, okay, which tuning am I going to use to play in that key, you know, to make this work. So, so uh, there there's a process that goes into it, but I don't think about it too much, you know. There it's it's just what you do to play music. It's it's mm-hmm. like there's a necessity, and and I have to figure out a way to get there. Now let me see. Since I'm a banjo player, what's the easiest way for me to do that? You know, and that's that's kind of how I approach it. And so I'll sing, you know, I'll sing and then try and, and figure it out on the banjo, usually. Or I'll, I'll learn a tune and then learn the words to the tune, however it, however it comes. You know, sometimes the song comes first, sometimes the tune comes first.
2: Yeah. Well, do you want to play that tune that you're thinking of?
1: Yeah, let like- me gonna require that i retune the banjo because that's what you do
2: what what tuning were you in and where are you going
1: well i'm gonna say that i was in a all right even though i was about a i'm about a half step low right uh but i'm i'm in a uh that confuses people a lot of times to say well you know we're in g but we're playing a tunes well how are you playing a tunes in g because g the the intervals between the strings between the notes are the same as they are in a you know so my banjo would normally be tuned e a c sharp e uh, because ah. most of the fiddle tunes in the round peak area are in a and d uh, right. not to say all but most um so so i kind of start out as my my standard tuning is a which is the same as g with a capo at the second fret it's exactly right. the same
2: but your banjo way. isn't an a scale banjo it's just a standard scale isn't it
1: my banjo is 25 i'm i'm playing a 25 and a half inch scale okay uh, although people to play the the standard you know sort of gibson 26 and an eighth yeah. they they tune those up to a as well i mean it 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 gets sort of like a cheese grater you know if what the, strings
2: if the, are you using to for for, for to tune i am actually that high.
1: using a ghs set right now that is 24 for the fourth 16 um what is that 13 and then 11 or 12 or 12 and 10 no 12 and 11 13 and 11 yeah so i'm using their what they call a medium set it's their stainless steel set that has the 24 for the fourth pretty Uh, heavy strings though what's that
2: pretty heavy gauge gauge strings
1: yeah but they call it medium that, that's yeah. the that's their GHS stainless medium set, and 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 I kind I of I like the tension of it on this twenty five and a half inch scale, and if I were my eleven inch banjo that I play it has a twenty five inch scale, which mm. works really well for for being in G or in A. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of halfway between the A scale and the and the bluegrass scale, you know. So.
2: Right. Bluegrass so what tuning like, are we moving to now?
1: We are moving to A modal.
2: So, like, sawmill tuning is the other name for it?
1: Well, I'm going to finish that statement in just a second. We're moving to A modal, but we're playing with the fifth string down one full step to a G. Gotcha. So, so if you were in G, a lot of people would call this F tuning. Yeah, right. Alright, so cause that would if I were in G, that would be my F chord. My one chord or the root chord is, is actually would be F. In this case it's gonna be G. Alright. So it's it's a it's really it's really I, I think it's a really cool tune and it, it has a it lends itself to to singing really well because it you're you're basically playing guitar chords uh because if you think about the guitar you have e a d as your three bass strings and then your first string on the guitar is E. so you're just missing the b string and the g string so you can use all the other fingers in the same shapes to to play your chords um so you're basically playing guitar chords with a claw hammer right hand you know
2: you're about to do undone sorrow
1: I am gonna do Undone. All
2: right. Yeah, I love this tune.
1: Awesome.
3: Treasures could ease he this heart so full of pain.
2: Actually,
1: in tune, I should have taken out one earpod. <laughs> <laughs>
2: more authentic than <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, it was kind of in pitch, I think.
2: <laughs> it, uh, no, that's it was beautiful. And that, no, that, that, uh, that get chills listening to you play that song as, and I'm uh, um, just listening to it today. It was it inspired me to pick up and try to learn it, uh, on my banjo and guitars today. And uh, so I'm glad you told me the tuning awesome so, yeah i was trying, trying to do it out of i was trying to do it out g tuning <laughs> yeah,
1: no it's it's uh it's a modal with the fifth string down to g and then you just play regular guitar shape as if you were the the four bass strings or the three yeah. bass strings and the first string so
2: well you you sure can can uh you know there's there's the com there's the old steve martin uh bit you know you can't can't play a sad song on a banjo and that the banjo is the only thing that could save Nixon, but uh, but uh, you definitely you've proved that wrong. You can definitely play. A, you definitely do a good job at playing a sad song. Yeah, um, well, I
1: always I always took see. I used to listen to Steve Martin talk, tell that, and then I, and and I always took it as a challenge. <laughs> <laughs>
2: do you approach Do you approach playing differently when you're playing? Uh, you know, a slower kind of. Uh, more, more heavy song like that versus, versus, you know, a fiddle tune or a dance tune sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I kicked that one off a little bit faster than what I normally would. Uh, But then I was already into it. So I couldn't, uh, I I didn't want to change it after I got there. Um, But yeah, I would, I would normally approach a, a, a sort of a sensitive, kind of sad, a heavy song like that from, from sort of a, kind of a slower way typically i mean not always not always dirgey you know uh but but uh kind of approach it as the song that it is i kind of i kind of try and play with the same weight that the song has you know um and i'll i'll do one a little later that's that's a really heavy song and it's a modern song uh it's it's uh it's actually a song by Ben Nichols. It's the last pale light in the west, and I'll do that a bit later but but uh it's i i come i i tend to use use a lot more uh, volume type dynamics you know uh heavy attacks in places and lighter attacks uh I tend to use more melodic lines than I would use if I were playing a fiddle tune as I discussed earlier fiddle tune i would go i would just go straight for the high spots and provide a good solid rhythm and, and some high spots, you know, without trying to play every note the fiddler's playing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but in sort of, in a song like that, I, 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 I kinda, I, I, as you say, I kinda, I kinda go for the heaviness, you know, the heaviness of the song dictates what happens musically. I mean, as it would, you know, I suppose, but
2: yeah, and that's a that's a that's a song written by Olabelle Reed, right?
1: That yeah, Undone in Sorrow is by Olabelle Reed, surely was. Yeah, and, she's from Ashe County, North Carolina, which is right next to Allegheny
4: County.
1: Okay. County. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> my friend Dirk Powell talks about some of his relatives in uh, Eastern Kentucky, and he and and I, I kind of say the same thing about Olabelle Reed. I think I might be related to her. I just don't know whether it's by blood or by kin. Or both, <laughs> so kind of thing happens you know from time to time, I suppose
2: yeah. <laughs> Ken, um, going into kind of song selection of your repertoire, especially recording and, and things like that when you're making a record, how do you how do you choose what songs you're going to play um, uh, or record? I, I,
1: I like songs that move me. If they make me feel something. So some songs some songs address that and and they 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 address that uh, that sort of lonesome sorrowful feeling that you have, you know. Uh and and they they kind of remedy that. You know, a, a lot of times a lot of times the kind of song you play is is reminiscent of the way you're feeling and it it takes away that feeling and I it's well i you know yeah. i i used to say i i used to have a friend who would say oh, i hate it when you play blues because it makes me depressed and i'm like no 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 blues makes you feel good and she would go well how do you how do you uh how do you figure that blues makes you feel good and i said well because i know my life is not nearly as bad as the guy in that song right you know <laughs> <laughs> the situation in the song is way worse than anything that I'm feeling at that time. No, so right. but seriously, I I do sort of approach the songs from a a place that makes me feel something. If it if it you know, a lot of times you a lot of the songs have that have a bravado, you know, it's like that, yeah, I'm 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 the toughest whatever, I'm the bravest cowboy that ever tried the west. And a lot of them are like, you know, I'm just lost somewhere out in the in the universe and I don't know how to figure it out and you know uh or and i do a lot of doc boggs songs which are are lonesome and and dark and and they they sort of soothe that lonesome dark feeling that you have and you know you can have all those emotions all at the same time um and and those so an entire set of music might might remedy for your might remedy you for your your emotions for an entire day you know uh so that's that's kind of how I I approach it. I and it, you know when you're making a CD or when you're making a recording you you want to I I like to take people on a journey. I want to take I want to get them started, you know, with some upbeat something and then let's let's go and start feeling a little more and and then we'll feel a little more and then maybe we'll come back a little bit and then maybe go a little darker. And then come back and be a, you, know, on our way back to happiness, you know, <laughs> or contentment, never, never really happiness, but contentment. Uh, we might get to happy eventually. <laughs> you know, but I do. I like, I like to when I'm doing a recording, that's the way I like to do it. I like to take people on a journey. I like people to feel, as, as, as some of my actor friends say, they, I like them to feel all the feels, you know, because that's what yeah. music does. Music is music is a way of conveying emotion and and hopefully manipulating in a positive way the emotions of the listener and not necessarily manipulating but because that sounds negative and i don't mean it that way at all it, it's 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 uh, allowing the listener to to manipulate their own emotions to to go with a song you know i don't know it, mm-hmm. it you you hope that the music you play makes people feel yeah. That's the simplest Like any any
2: any great art, you know, you want them to feel something. You That's know, you don't right. You just want it to be a, That's right. you know, a great movie or picture or whatever.
1: Yeah, painting, whatever, sure. Sculpting or you know, yeah. sculpture, yeah.
2: Sure. Well, I want to start to get into some of the um, questions in the chat here. Um, All right. Let's see. So we have one from Patrick. Heffernan, um, he says, hey, Riley, can you talk about how banjos are set up for round peak play? Is there a string height above the 12th fret of the fingerboard at the tension hoop that is ideal? How much is too much?
1: Well, I can. I can. (laughs) Well, hey, Patrick. Uh, Well, uh, that's a good question. I typically go for three sixteenths of an inch at the 12th fret, uh, either over the fret or over the fingerboard, depending on how high you can stand your action. I, mine is, mine is about three sixteenths of an inch. It's, it's going to be hard to see, but mine's about three sixteenths of an inch over the 12th fret, Uh actually over the fret. Um A lot of people will go three sixteenths off of the fingerboard. That's kind of a, I've always been told and taught that that was sort of a industry standard, if you will. A lot of people like lower action. I don't think there is too much. A lot of people like higher action. Um in the round peak style, I'm not. I'm probably not going to be playing much with the left hand past the tenth fret. You know, if I if I tune down in G, I'm probably not going to be playing a round peak tune, and I might come as far as the twelfth fret to come up the scale and the to fit a, a fiddle tune in standard uh, standard G on the fiddle. Um, but for the most part i I'm, I'm going to be playing down here so the left hand action is not a is not a problem you know uh, a little higher action uh, over the bottom of the of the or the or the bottom of the fingerboard above the rim uh is not a problem so so i don't think there is too much the wh- what what um, what i go for is enough enough height enough height where i want to play that I can get in without hitting the fingerboard and without catching my thumb. And, you know, so that there's plenty of plenty of, of finger room, you know, and between the string and the, and the fretboard. Um, so did I, did I get all, did I get all the facts yeah, of that yeah. question?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, while we're on the topic of, of, banjo setup, um, what, what's the banjo head you have on there?
1: This is a Remo suede. Uh, and it's, okay. it happens to be a black one, uh, because I had this idea for making a, an all black banjo. I got hold of some black mother of Pearl and I sought out a dark star, uh, you know, this black mother of Pearl star. And I went, wow, that's a dark star. And then of course the light bulb went off and I thought, Oh, Jerry Garcia. Oh, sure. Right. Dark star. Yeah. Let's exactly. do this. Okay. Well, let's stain it black. Now we've got black mother of Pearl, Ebony's black. Okay. Let's stain the rest of it. Black. So so, I went for the whole black stain and and French polish finish, and and <laughs> I was talking to my friend Bob Smacula and and was getting some parts from him. And I said, "Man, you know," I I, I he said, "Well, we got these new suede heads from Remo." And he said, "We have a black one." I was describing the banjo. I said, "Oh yeah, let's have the black one." So, I uh, put the black head on the on the Dark Star banjo. So mm-hmm. we're all you know good and. It's, uh, it's good and dark. I, I like the fact that it's all shiny and mirror-y inside, but then you know, nice and flat on the outside.
2: Um, we have Cindy Green asking about your finger pick that you're using. Yep. What, what pick is that? What kind of pick is this, that?
1: This particular pick is an Ernie Ball plastic finger pick, which uh, is extremely difficult to get right now because Ernie Ball is no longer sourcing these picks. Uh, apparently they lost their source in China and they haven't, they don't have a new source because I've been talking to them because they're my favorite pick. And what <laughs> I, so, uh, Dunlop's work, uh, DeAndrea's work, uh, whatever, pla- you know, your simple Chinese, uh, resin pick, any, any finger pick works. Uh, I just cut it off so that it fits the first knuckle. I smooth it up, I round it up and leave it just long enough that I'm just past the end of my nail. Um, and so it's like I have a little bit of a fingernail to play with. They're, they're just plastic finger picks and I smooth them up. I round them up, so it's kind of rounded on the edge, but still left square, sort of like a fingernail would be, I suppose, if you clipped it off square. But, uh, so round corners, flat on the front, uh, thinned just, to, just ever so slightly, and smooth. Uh, and it, it holds just fine. The thing I like about these Ernie ball picks is that they, they're not like the Dunlops and they feel like they're trying to squeeze the life out of your finger. Uh, although I know you can adjust the, er, you can adjust the Dunlops, you can adjust all the picks, but this just saves me a step. I don't have to adjust anything. It's, it's exactly the right tension.
2: Nice. And do you stuff your banjo or anything like that? Do you put anything in the back of it?
1: here's my stuffing my stuffing is a tack sponge (laughs) uh i use any kind of i tell you what works well is that is that memory foam um right and 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 you didn't hear this from me but you can get samples of that stuff from the folks that make the the uh, mattresses and stuff, they'll send you samples Uh, and they work perfectly for, but you can get enough from them in a sample that you can, you got a couple of stuffings for banjos, but I use just the smallest little piece, like a one by one or two by two square uh, of, of any kind of somewhat heavy foam. Um, And I just put it in there to cut the overtones. I'm not trying to dampen it down. I just don't want it to ring to the point that all I can hear is, the ring, you know. I want to hear the, mm-hmm. I want to hear the metal, and I want to hear the wood, and I want to hear the head. I don't want to hear just the clang, you know. Right, I yeah. like to hear the nice vibration of all the parts.
2: Well, I want to bring in uh, my colleague Jamie Laddie again, and 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 see if we have because there's a couple chat channels I can't see, and if, if there's any questions um, out there.
0: I just want to make sure you can hear me.
2: Can you hear me again? Yeah, you're on. Yep, I was having some
0: uh, audio things in the background there. Um, it's a my other chat room has been a little quiet today. They were uh, engaged and, and watching uh, everything that's going on. Um, but I definitely encourage anyone to ask anything. There was a couple more that just came up in this one. Um, B peak, I think it is asks, do you only use the index or do you use the middle also to play?
1: For the most part, I use the index as my lead finger, but I do use the middle finger as a brush, uh, and and I do I do kind of that round peak or more people people sort of assume it's a round peak thing, but it's more a Fred Cockrum specific thing where you're using both fingers at once to do a chop. So, so I'm I'm hitting I'm using the the middle on the first string, the index on the second string, uh, and if I if I have hit with an index and and I need to move my index to a lower string, but I still need a note on that same string, I'll use my middle to catch that note. So I I do use both, but not religiously. Not it's it's not like it's a set pattern. I try to put the if I have a finger in a place. There's no point in moving another finger in that place. You know, it's kind of an economy of motion thing.
0: It makes perfect sense, yeah. Um, Kevin also asks, is there any way, uh, And and if it's okay with you, Riley, we'll we'll post this in the the video description, but can you remind the audience of the tuning that you were in? Uh, I think it was for Undone Sorrow. Yeah, Uh,
1: and it's still the same tuning I'm in now. It is G for the fifth string. E, A, D, and then E. Even though I'm tuned maybe a half step low, uh, not it. on purpose. It just happens to be there, and I didn't tune up to pitch. So, so yeah, right. I'm in. I'm effectively in A modal, yep. and then I take the fifth string down to match the third fret on the first string.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah, we'll post that. if That's okay with you. We'll put it in the uh, in the description. That's right. Yeah, that's really cool. And they
1: just, uh, You just have to know to play in that tuning that your your one chord or your root chord is going to be, uh, you have to hold a chord shape to get your one chord. So, so that is not, you know, you, it's not an open tuning. Yeah. It, you have right. to play closed chords.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's the hard life, man. It's the hard life. <laughs> Fiona McQuill, uh, McQuill, I think it is, uh, asks, what is your favorite song to play? Which is going to be a massive question. Because. Well,
1: it depends on <laughs> what hour of the day. Uh, yep. I I like to play. I like to play "Undone in Sorrow." I like to play "Last Pale Light in the West." I really love playing. Um, oh gosh, one of the most fun tunes to play is a tune called "Holly Ding," uh, okay,
0: <laughs>
1: which comes from Wade Ward over in uh, Grayson County, Virginia. Uh, and and I I love "Backstep Cindy," which is a, a tune like "Holly Ding." Um. Yes, yeah, just really hard to say what's my favorite tune to play. I love playing all those Doc Boggs songs, "False Hearted Lover Blues," and "O Death," and uh, country <laughs> blues, and uh, "Prodigal Son," and those kinds of things. You know.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, got a lot of people asking, uh, or a couple asking if you want to do any Ingve banjo covers. <laughs>
1: well, you know, probably. You know, probably I I, I would. I would go more of the Eddie Van Halen route than, okay. than total Ingve, because I, I just don't have the, the effects processors.
0: Well, Ned, <laughs> Ned, so Ned Lubrecki has the EVH kind of crossfire. I was, I was kind of joking in the chat there that we should do like a, like a shell pink banjo with scalloped frets out, uh, Yngwie yeah. style. Yeah. That would yeah. Go down. Some great yeah, tapping and all kinds of fun stuff. Be fun.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So how, how often do you hear, uh, traditional round peak banjo players utter the words "Ingve Malmsteen <laughs> I, I gotta
0: say over <laughs> here yeah but it's and it's impressing me a lot I will say like I, I, I listen to you talk about him and like John Paul Jones and, and other people like it's very clear that you've got like a pretty major a crossover in musical tastes compared to what you actually play which is how much of that yeah. kind of plays into what you do as, as an artist
1: uh a lot actually it it affords me the opportunity to be able to take the banjo into musical situations that that if I played strictly traditional old-time tunes, I would never have the opportunity to be part of uh-huh. you know um, it, it I, I love music, and that's the thing. It's all music, and if I get caught up saying, well, I'm this kind of musician, I only play old time." Well, man, that's limiting my world, and and the right. world is just such a much bigger, musical and cultural place. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people get stuck in in the in in the place they are because they've never had the chance to see any other place, and it's it's not, you know, and, and that that works physically and musically. Um, so so I I I've always loved country music. I've always liked rock music I was, I've always uh, I, I had the uh, violin when I was in school you know because it was it was one of the classes it got you out of doing work you know got you out of doing you know things where you had to actually think you could play music you know you could take a music class that's great let's do that instead of math um, but, <laughs>
0: you know, yeah we've all so, been there I think so, yeah. so, so, I had, so I had
1: violin you know and so I got exposed to 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 classical music as a kid, which it, but but see, I was confused when I went into that. I thought they were going to teach me how to play fiddle, mm-hmm. and because I didn't know that you could really play any other kind of music on the fiddle except country music. Country being, you know, old time bluegrass, Cajun, or 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 Nashville country. You know, um, I, I soon discovered that Dvorak's Slavonic dances was not what I had signed on for. Yeah. Although it was folk music just mm-hmm. folk music from another place.
0: That's you right. Know? You said uh, before we went live today you were talking a lot um I think I think you said your your wife was British and you, you toured there uh yeah. hopefully annually, you know, pre-covid. Um yep. kind of have okay. you gotten into kind of the Scottish Irish uh kind of scenes when once you've been over there, jigging uh, uh, reels and that kind of thing and
1: Well, it... I, I I do end up playing playing uh a lot of the uh the northern english stuff i have uh, lots of friends who are english folk musicians uh and i and i end up playing a lot in ireland with folks when i go over there we've got lots of friends who are irish musicians and and i was introduced to a lot of those folks with by dirk powell uh Mm -hmm. dirk powell and tim o'brien and i went over there and and on a tour for a couple of weeks and and that was sort of my introduction to the irish scene and and had just a had just a blast playing with all those folks and and You you start one of the things you discover is that lots of the tunes that we play in southern Appalachia and and specifically in the Blue Ridge have have counterparts in in the Irish or English or Scottish traditions. You know, it's like we play a we play a tune called the Bell of Lexington, but you might find yourself in Ireland playing exactly the same tune and somebody calls it Kitty's Wedding, you Mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. Same thing mm-hmm. works with the Cajun crossovers too. They play a tune called Jetezo Ball and and we play a tune called Cindy. You know, they're they're basically the same tune. And they play mm-hmm. Unliebe Tobac in, in Cajun Country, a uh, Pound of Tobacco, and, and we play uh Jack of Diamonds.
0: Interesting. You know? Dave Dave, you're in Louisiana. Are you familiar with those tunes?
2: I mean, Not so much. I yeah, I don't know the Cajun repertoire deeply
0: yeah that's interesting that's cool yeah it's it's just fascinating to hear that, uh, you know the different crossovers and the different um kind of approach to the same tune, but in the, in a the different uh, different fashion that's that's very cool excellent um Kevin also asks, do you ever use nylon or nylon gut strings uh, on not your on banjo purpose. or are you strictly steel huh
1: <laughs> not on purpose <laughs> uh, yeah no i i i uh, I'm not a huge fan of the gut or the nile gut. Um, I I'm a steel string guy. I just I like the I like the feeling. I like the vibration that I get with the steel. And I and as we were David and I were discussing earlier, I use a, a fairly heavy set for a medium set. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 pretty it's pretty well tensioned. Um, and but I do I like the. I like the I like sort of the ring of the steel and, and don't get me wrong I do like the warmth and the depth that that the Nalgut provides but just for the music that I play yeah. I I don't really use the Nalgut although I've I've made some banjos and 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 people asked me to use Nalgut strings and they were you know they they sound great and I enjoyed playing them but I, I don't yeah. on my banjo.
0: It's definitely one of the more common questions we get Like as far as like how do we, particularly people who are beginning, they, they maybe pick up a good time or something, uh, and they want to warm up the sound, uh, and they kind of feel like automatically they have to go to that nylon string. But right. kind of doing what you're doing with the mediums or, or maybe something a little heavier uh, is often a really good result. And then the head, of course, playing into well, that. We,
1: we were talking earlier in the green room. Uh, and I was saying how wonderful the during good time banjo is. Mm-hmm. That is a, that's a great banjo. And with a few little tweaks, you know, you, you put it, maybe put a different head on it, maybe put a little tape under the bridge. See, I, I actually do that myself. I put a little piece of duct tape under mm-hmm. the bridge. It thickens the head just a little bit, makes it a little mellower, uh, mm-hmm. gives it a, I, I don't know, gives it a, a, a more present tone rather than a ringy tone, uh, a thump. You know, if you will, if yeah. you're into the thunk, uh, put a put a little bit of foam in there to stop some of the overtones. And I'm telling you, you've got a good banjo. The, the during good time is an awesome banjo.
0: We appreciate that soundbite. That's awesome. Thank you very much. That's it's, it. You know, it, it, that's what we try and do with a good time banjo. It's been around for so long because we, we really try to emphasize the playability, you know, the quality of the of the parts. Um, and we believe that if we have those things in, in place, then it's going to make you be able to play better rather than struggle with a, with a cheaper instrument, which is so often the case. It doesn't matter if it's a banjo or a guitar Uh, or or whatever.
1: There's some banjos that are imported from other places Mm -hmm. that are not so good. Uh, And they, and they, they do not offer you uh, the ability to have a banjo well into your playing. You know, they, they might be a good starter, but it's a very difficult starter. Yeah. And, and, then, and then as you get better, you immediately want a new banjo because this one's not very good sounding anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, the good time's not like that. The good time will provide you a nice sound well into your, your playing career, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a good solid banjo. You I guys and I agree. commend you guys on, on the production of those things.
0: Well, thank you very I, much.
1: I, yeah. I tell people to get them all the time.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Your commission check will be on its way. here very shortly. Um, but, but you're absolutely that, right. I say that free of charge. Actually, right. Good. You know, it's the way I really hey, feel. Cancel that check for Riley? Yeah, right. <laughs> cancel that check for Riley Barber. Um the, yeah. uh, you know, the you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely spot on. It's it's um, it, if you have a, if you have a banjo or any instrument. If the tuners are not good or the action so high and you're starting out, it's not so much that it's going to hinder your progress. So many people starting out just automatically believe that it's them. That That's it's not right. the instrument, particularly if it's a banjo or an instrument that has the, like a well-known name on the, on the headstock. That's right. where we wanted to pay because they associate that brand with the, yeah. the, the quality of the instruments, maybe that they're much better known for. Right. Yeah. And so they pick up yeah. a banjo and assume that, that, that the, the quality is going to carry on through. And, it, and so oftentimes it doesn't, uh, which is unfortunate, um, but they blame themselves and then they quit. And that's, that's, that's not good for anyone. We want more music. So I was, <laughs> I was talking, I
1: was talking with Doc Watson, Doc and I were friends and I was talking with him once. And, and I was saying, Doc, yeah, you know, I said, I, I ordered, I said, I did that old time thing where I ordered my first guitar out of the Sears Roebuck catalog. And I said, it had that zero fret. And I said, the action was so high on that thing that the first night that I played it, I I drew blood. I mean, I I played until I was, my fingers were bleeding. The action was so incredibly hard. And he said, oh, son, he said, I had one of those. He said, I had one of those guitars when I first started. He said, it was like fretting a fence, (laughs) you know? And and that's the best analogy I can, that I've ever heard about bad instruments. It's like fretting a fence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a threatening offense spot yeah. on and, and honestly it's not just banjo like we, we're in the banjo world and that's kind of what we're talking about but i've been right. you know dave and i have both been in, in this industry musical instruments for a long time we've seen it all it ranges from flutes to saxophones to guitars the thing's still there so the message is like get the best you can afford not Absolutely. the cheapest because right. that extra 100 200 bucks or whatever the instrument might be going to make a world of difference in your learning progress as you as you go along and it's, it's going to take you places that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get to so
1: that is true I, and I, I can attest to that fact myself I recently bought a, a new mandolin it's not an expensive mandolin but it's mm-hmm. not an extremely inexpensive mandolin either it's sort of a you know it's a sort of a, a mid-rangey thing and and the the ability to learn to play has, my ability to learn to play has increased exponentially because i have a i have an instrument that actually is a joy to play and i and i didn't i didn't i didn't buy the most expensive mandolin and i didn't buy the cheapest i've had the cheapest mandolin and i assure you it's not worth starting a fire with but i have money in it and i have to move it on to someone else who wants to learn <laughs> 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 you know, but, but I can tell you a better you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. A better instrument will make you a better player.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Best yeah, you can afford. Not the cheapest. Doesn't right. have Best to be the most afford. expensive. Doesn't that's have right. to be the cheapest. Yep. Yeah. There's a that's there's right. a middle and, and ground. It's
1: not a, it's not always the cost that makes the good instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, as as we're saying. It's not, you know, it can it can be you can buy very expensive instruments that aren't very good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or at least not like uh significantly better. Right, yeah, that's and what they're I mean. Yeah they're, yeah, they're
1: good, yeah. but they're not significantly better. Yeah. You know, uh, a few hundred dollars more to buy a thing doesn't mean that it's going to be a few hundred dollars better.
0: Nope. nope.
1: Right. It just means it's right. going to have
0: some fancier inlays maybe or something that's right. like
1: that. Yeah, because inlay is what makes a banjo sound good. <laughs>
0: We've been working on this like acoustically tuned inlay lately. It's, um, it's, it's, it's in the R&D shop and I guarantee tomorrow my, my customer service team will have a bunch of emails saying, hey, well, tell me more about this inlay. It's going to be cool. April, April Fools' is coming around the block here. Real quick. There you go. Um, <laughs> all right, just looking at my other chat screen here. Dave, is there anything else you wanted to, to throw in?
2: That, that this, no, this is great though. Really had a great time hanging and, and listening to you. Um, but yeah. I'd love to hear another song if we have time.
0: Oh, well, I was going to just chime in there, Jim, on the other chat here. He's saying, Riley, if you don't mind retuning, I'd love to hear a Doc Boggs song. Maybe "Bright Sunny South" a "Particle Sun" from Jim Bowman.
1: How about how about rather than one of those? Maybe I will do. I'll I, I, gladly, Jim. I will gladly do a, a Doc Boggs. Let me let me not do one of those two though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Jim I, th- I think Jim's going to be fine with that <laughs> if, Riley Boggs is, is, is a banjos
1: uh... Jim Bolman likes banjos I hear
0: uh, that's what I hear yeah. <laughs> just a VO <few. laughs> <laughs> but you know Riley is a man of the people and he will uh, he will deliver so while uh, Riley's tuning up there uh, let's just kind of summarize it's, it's, it's been a wonderful conversation uh, I've enjoyed listening to most of it and I've enjoyed kind of contributing to the end um
1: you didn't enjoy listening to all of it you just, no, the, just
0: it. I, the, the bits that i wasn't Sorry, in I had to say that it's fine it's fine it's the british it's the british humor in in both of us i think it's um like when you
1: say somebody says well how are you you say oh not too bad which means it's bad but not bad enough to be yeah. detrimental right
0: yeah i got a very really bad habit of doing that actually i should probably stop that no no i, I
1: actually stole that from bill bailey so
0: <laughs> who's in his own right a genius uh if you don't mind my saying as well you're a very positive person oh thank you i mean you're you're, you're kind of exuding like just this pos- general positivity and and happiness and then it, on a couple of occasions during the conversation where you you kind of picked up on yourself like maybe pointing something out that may be like interpreted as negative you corrected yourself and and it was it was great so thank you well, for that yeah, the- we need more of that
1: it, well, thank you. And the statements that I was making was were, were I was I, I wasn't actually uh, I wasn't trying to correct it. It just it was just like no, I don't want to be I don't I don't want that statement to sound like that. No, there are times when I'll definitely have a negative statement and mean it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to be misinterpreted. Yeah. <laughs> Don't By the way, misunderstand I also, me. Yeah.
0: Don't I also like just that you,
1: underestimate me neither. Yeah, right.
0: I also like that you refer to our backstage area as a green room. It adds so much more like allure to the whole Deering live experience. Well,
1: well yeah, actually, the green room
0: looks, cool. looks a lot like this.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's green. Uh, it's one of the few green rooms I've been in lately that's green.
0: Two shades of green, yeah. actually. There we go. There
1: you
0: go. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, that was a really, really fun uh, conversation. What are you going to see us out with here, Riley?
1: How about uh, maybe Danville Girl? How about
0: that? I'm for it. That's good. All right. Take it away, Sarah. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. This episode Thank will you. be live in about two minutes after it ends, so you can rewatch it to your heart's content. See okay, well, you just next time.
1: Let me just say thank you guys for having me. I've had such a good time being here. I've, I've looked forward to it ever, ever since we set it up. And, and I've had lots of, of people contacting me saying that they were excited about it. And, and you guys are doing a great thing here. This is really nice. It's really awesome. nice. Thank you,
0: we, we, we love doing it. And it's really fun to have people like yourself on. So keep doing what you're doing and we'll see you down the road, sir.
1: Thank you, I have no choice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're with you, we're with you.